First Timothy chapter number six. We were there this morning. We're going to go back there this evening. I am enjoying this journey that Paul was on. I'm enjoying it because I get to watch and listen and read as he's in prison. I don't have to be there with him. <laughs> That's nice. Timothy was. Timothy was on this journey with Paul. In the last several weeks, we've looked at this young man named Timothy who is pastoring the church in what city? Where's he at? He's in Ephesus. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul knows that his time is almost done. Now, it's not as done as quickly as he thinks because there's time enough to write a second letter to Timothy, and that second letter is called what? Second Timothy. You guys are smart. All right. Second Timothy. And so we're in that first letter that he's writing, and he's challenging, and he's helping. He's helping Timothy as he's pastoring the church. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have a mentor, especially someone like Paul. Could you imagine having the Apostle Paul as your mentor? Well, Timothy was privileged to do that. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he gets to this last chapter here, and he says this, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Man, oh man, that's tough. You know what that means? If you're working for somebody, you have to honor them. But Paul just continues to help Timothy in this area of relationships. And I want, to, uh, I want to talk to you tonight. I want to preach to you tonight um, on, on this. Go back to, go back to uh, uh, verse number two. And I've just entitled the message this evening, right out of the word of God here at the end of chapter number two, these things teach and exhort. These things teach and exhort. Now, if the apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to teach these things and exhort or edify, uh, use these things to challenge the church, how many of you would say, I want to know what those things are? Because if this is important, remember, Paul is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is not just Paul sitting back and saying, I think this is important. This is the Holy Spirit of God using Paul to pen this letter to Timothy saying, this is important. This is what I need for you to tell Timothy, the preacher, to tell the people. This is important. And so we're going to, we're going to look at these things, teach and exhort. And so he says in verse, in, uh, uh, verse number one, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, into the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. But dotting about questions and strife of words, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And he says in verse number six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So these things teach and exhort. Paul is coming into chapter number six. Now we looked at the second half this morning. He talked about money. He talked about the, the, the love of money. He talked about the fact that God 
blesses you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. And so don't worry, we're not going to talk about money tonight. We're going to talk about relationships tonight. If there's something that probably each and every one of us as Christians struggle with, it's probably finances at times and relationships at times. How many of you would say amen to that? We struggle in those areas. Well, it's no wonder Paul then writing Timothy, instructs Timothy and says these things to teach and exhort because Paul knew these are things that he, uh, uh, we as Christians need to hear. Now remember, Paul is writing from a place called Laodicea, the Laodicean church. And this is a place, if you find in Revelations, a place where they were lukewarm. And I believe this, that Paul was going to help Timothy here as Timothy was pastoring this church at Ephesus to help the people not get to the place where they became lukewarm Christians, where they just kind of went through the process of being a Christian, but nothing really was happening in their life. They weren't doing wicked, evil, bad things, but they weren't doing anything on fire for the Lord either. And that is a place that, if we're not careful, many Christians can get to. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy, there are some things I want you to instruct the church. There are some things that I want you to do because I don't want lukewarm Christians just going through life, just being saved. Being a Christian should be exciting. Being a Christian should be energizing the people that are around you. We should constantly be growing. We should constantly be maturing as believers. The older we get, it isn't a time for us to slide into uh, retiring as a Christian. If anything, we should take Paul's example where he, the older he got, the more mature he got, and the more uh, zealous he got to be sure that there was a generation coming behind him that would take the gospel of Jesus Christ into another generation. And that's the same zeal we ought to have. And I've said this to you often, who are you investing in? Who are you pouring yourself into? You've got to have something that's filling you up so that you can pour it into somebody else. A lukewarm Christian has nothing to give. They have nothing to give. They, they have nothing pouring into them. They have nothing to give. Nobody wants to, to, to be around a lukewarm Christian, but boy, people enjoy being around somebody that's on fire for the Lord. How many of you know somebody on fire for the Lord? Huh? Boy, don't you want to be around them? And that's where Paul is, is, is saying to Timothy here, I want you to preach these things. I want you to exhort the people. These things are important for the believer. I want you to write this down, number one. He says in the first couple of verses, he says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Number one is this, our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ. Our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ. Those of you that are going to go to work tomorrow, you ought to know this. I need to work in such a way where it's a reflection of God's faithfulness to me. There are some that'll get up early, that'll head into work. And before you even get there, you're going to become critical. Start complaining. Has anybody, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but has anybody started complaining before they even started work? Like you, you got to, even the night before. 
You don't sleep all night because you're expecting it to be a miserable day. And you wonder why it's a miserable day when you get there. Man, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like this person, I don't like that person, I don't like my boss. You know what uh, Paul is saying to Timothy here? Paul is meddling into people's lives. Can you believe that? I mean, he should just stick to preaching, right? No, Paul knows this, that we as, as believers, we are supposed to be a testimony of Jesus Christ, not just when we're at church, but we're supposed to be a testimony of God's faithfulness in our lives when we are out in the world so that other people see who we are and how we behave and desire that in their own life. Paul is meddling. He's, I'm going to talk to you about your work. These that are going out into a maybe a lost world, he's reminding them, as you set out to do a work, to do your job into this world, you need to realize this, that the faithfulness of God, it should be seen through you. We ought not be complaining about, about our work environment or complaining about those that are in authority over us or complaining about the work that I have to do. We ought to be grateful that God has blessed us with a job that we can go to and grateful that God has given us an opportunity for those around us that we can show them Christ. You might be the only Christian some people you work with ever see. What type of Christian are you? Now, I know, I know, just like this morning, we start talking about things like this. They don't feel good. Someone came to me this morning and said this, Pastor, you preached at me all service long. And I said, I know. The Holy Spirit told me to just look. No, I didn't say that. The crazy thing is, and somebody else comes up and says the same thing. And I got a text message and said, I, I used what you, uh, what you taught this morning. I hope you don't mind, but I plagiarized and I used it when I was in the jail this afternoon. I said, plagiarize on, use it. I don't know what you used this morning. I preached in jail, but use it. You know, Paul is dealing with some things that hinder a Christian's growth. There's a lot of things, if we're not careful, can hinder us. We can get lukewarm and be satisfied thinking everything's okay. But Paul is saying to Timothy, stir things up. Don't let him come to the church house and, and be lukewarm. Don't let him come to the house of God and just get stale. Don't let him come to the place of God where they just can go through the motions of life. We're not supposed to go through the motions of life. We're supposed to be stirred up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you're going to go to a workplace. And you might go to a workplace tomorrow where people are unsaved and people don't treat you well. You know what you're supposed to do? Honor them. We're supposed to leave this place on a Sunday evening knowing this, and I'm going to go out into a lost and dying world, and I am going to show the faithfulness of God to a world that needs to know Christ. Our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number six. Would you turn there with me? Galatians, Ephesians, just a, a few chapters. Now, where is Paul? Who's Paul writing to? Really easy. Where is he? Who's he writing to? No, he's writing to Timothy in particular, but yeah, he's writing to believers, but he's writing to Timothy. Where's Timothy pastoring? Ephesus. Who's the, the, the book of Ephesians written to? 
You guys are on tonight. I'm proud of you. Good job. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. Would you go with me to verse number 5? And this is Paul has written this now to the Ephesian church, the church at Ephesus. He says this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service or men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So he is writing and continuing in verse number seven, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that who, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. You know, he's saying the same thing he told them is the same thing he said to Timothy. I want you to challenge them as they go out into their workplace, as they go out and they, 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 they earn a living, make sure they're honoring those that are an authority over them. It's hard to honor people we don't always agree with, isn't it? You see, what Paul is doing is Paul is helping Timothy remind the church that our heart has to be in a place and our mind as a believer ought to be in a place where we realize this, this world we're living in and this life we're living, it is not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. In everything I do, I can't turn off being a Christian when I leave church. I can't turn off being a Christian when I leave my home. I'm a Christian wherever I am. I'm a Christian at church, and boy, maybe it's easy to be a Christian at church because everybody believes the same thing, and you, you hear the preaching of the Word of God, and you sing, and you have fellowship, and boy, that's a wonderful thing. And maybe when you're at home, husband and wife, you've got a great relationship centered around Christ, and you're raising your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and boy, it's easy to be a Christian there. But Paul is saying to Timothy, don't just do it where it's easy. Go to a place where unsaved people are. Go to a place where you disagree with someone, go to a place where someone has authority over you and honor Christ there. Could you imagine if every Christian behaved like a Christian when they went to work tomorrow? I said to you this morning, could you imagine what the world would be like if every Christian tithed? Could you imagine what every the world would be like if every Christian behaved and honored. You know what that means? There should be no water cooler talk where you're the one gossiping and bad-mouthing the company you work for. Now listen, I know when there are legitimate concerns, but you know, just like in any other area, when there's legitimate concerns, you go to the person you have the problem with. If there's a situation with our employer or our boss, you know who ought to know that? Our employer or boss, and in private. The rest of the company ought not know what our problems are. You're supposed to be an example of Jesus Christ. You should be the one that people come to and say, we have a problem, we need your advice. What do you think we ought to do? Because you behave so much different than everyone else. There's something different about you. Boy, there's something, someone different that lives inside of you. There's something different about you and we need to know because we can't figure this out. We shouldn't be the one involved in the middle of it, making people have tension and making people upset and, and bringing a revolt to those that are in authority over us. He also says this in the same portion of Scripture. 
He also tells us this, that if you're an employer, there's a proper way to behave. If you are in a place in life where people are under your leadership or under your authority, you're commanded here in the Bible to treat them fairly. That means this, you've got to pay them what they're worth. Pay them what they work. Treat them fairly. Use your place of authority to bring peace in the life of someone else. That's your responsibility here. He says that also in Ephesians. I want you to uh, look with me in the book of Colossians. Would you go there with me, please? Ephesians, Philippians. Go over to the book of Colossians. Just a couple other books over in the New Testament here. Colossians chapter number three. You with me this evening? All right. He says this, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord uh, of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Now, Paul is writing to the church here, Colossae. He's writing them. He says this, I want you to remember, you're not working for them anyways. You're working for Christ. And you need to be a testimony for the gospel of Christ. I want you to see this in verse number three. He goes on to say this, if any man teach otherwise... Consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but nodding about questions and strifes of words, whereof come strife, uh, envy, strife, railings, evil, surmisings, perverse disputings of men in corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing the gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Do you see that last portion of verse number five? He says, from such withdraw thyself. I want you to write this down. Not only is our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ, our friendships should reflect our testimony of Christ. Those that we're with ought to reflect a testimony of Christ. He says this, I want you to make sure that you are, you have a great example with those that are you're working with, and I want you to be sure that you have a great example of Christ to those within the body. Our friendship should reflect our testimony of Christ. There are some here, he's saying this, there's some that's going to teach otherwise, that when somebody starts to tell you something other than the word of God, you know what he says? Withdraw from them. You know, if we're not careful, what happens sometimes is we like to hear what we want to hear. And so we go to the people that'll tell us what we want to hear. Now, if, you, if you're having a problem in your marriage and, and you just, you're not sure what to do. Well, your spouse is, you're just having a difficulty. And in your mind, you say, you know what I want to do? I want to leave. I want to be gone. If you're not careful, what you're going to do is you're going to find somebody else who's having difficulty with their spouse, and they made the decision to leave, and they're going to, you're going to come over to them and say, this is what I'm dealing with. What do you think I ought to do? And they're going to say, you know what you ought to do? You ought to leave. And you're going to say, you know, that was good advice. That's exactly what I needed. 
most of the time, most of the time, if we're not careful, we will go to those that not necessarily tell us truth, but tell us what we want to hear. Paul says that's dangerous. The Word of God is not silent and is not quiet on how the child of God ought to behave. Once you're saved, the entire New Testament is jam-packed full of how we as Christians ought to live. There's no excuses. And we agree with how we're supposed to live until we get into a spot where it doesn't feel good living the way we're supposed to live. And there is going to be some that are going to tell you, he says this, these things teach and exhort, and if any man teach otherwise... You know what that tells me? There are going to be some people that are not going to help you live the way the Word of God tells you to live. There is going to be some that's going to tell you opposite. They're going to, their advice is not going to be truthful advice. And, and, and they're going to be argumentative. And they're going to, they're going to nitpick at small little things. Do you, ever, do you ever know somebody that you're just unhappy about everything? Their favorite color, color was blue until it was your favorite color. Now blue's ugly. You know, I mean, you're just unhappy about everything, no matter what it is in life. There's always something to complain about. There's always something to pick at. There's always something to be negative about. And Paul is saying there's always going to be some that are going to dispute, always going to be some that want to cause strife. There's always going to be some that are always looking to, to, to pick at something, always looking to fight. You know what he said to do with those people? Withdraw from them. Because you as a child of God cannot allow that to filter through your mind and through your heart and you stay faithful and right having a good testimony. And whether it's at the workplace, whether it's at the church house, whether it's in your friendships, what Paul is showing us here in these few verses is our friendships should reflect our testimony. Those that we're close to, those that we're around ought to reflect a testimony of God's faithfulness in our life. I can't, listen to me, the Bible still says this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Listen, Bible tells us, tells us and warns us not to associate with someone that's scorning, not to associate with someone that's going to bring us down. We as Christians, listen, there's enough things in this world that can discourage us. There's enough things in this world that can get our mind and our focus off the things of God. We don't need it to be close enough to us where we listen to it often. And our friendships, our friendships should reflect our testimony of Christ. Do you know what's healthy for me as a Christian? Be, about, be around other Christians that are faithful in their walk with God. Listen, you and I need godly fellowship. It's important. You can't just be a, a hermit and say, I'm going to just go live, you know, on the side of a mountain somewhere and it's just going to be me and my Jesus. Well, that sounds good, but you need encouragement from other believers. And God, God 
will put those in your life. But what Paul is warning us and helping us with is this. Our friendships should reflect our testimony of Christ. I want you to turn with me here in 1 Timothy. Go over to the same, same book, to ver- chapter number 1, if you would, please. And I want you to see in verse number 3. 1 Timothy, chapter number 1, verse number 3. He says this, As I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest chain, charge some that they teach no other doctrine. He says, I put you there to be sure that people were teaching right. I want you to see the same thing in verse, verse number 10 of the same chapter. He says, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for man, uh, men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Those are the ones he said, I want you to, I want you to preach against those things. Don't allow them to have influence in the church. Don't allow them to have, have, a, have a place where they're going to lead people astray. I want you to find in 2 Timothy, just go the opposite direction to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And I want you to see in verse, verse number 14, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. He says, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. He said, I want you to charge them. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, if you would. 2 Timothy, just a chapter over, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and look with me in verse number 8. Look at the last part of that uh, verse number eight. He says, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they they shall proceed no further, for their follies shall be manifest unto all men as as theirs was also. These are ones that stood and resisted Moses in in truth, and and they were going to keep Moses from from doing what what he was supposed to do. And, And he said, he reminded Timothy, he said, those are the ones to resist. I want you to look with me in chapter number four. Second Timothy chapter number four. And he warns, he warns him here. He says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. He says, you've got to charge them. You've got to help them. You've got to teach. You've got to exhort. Because if you're not careful, there could be something perverse that comes in, something uh, 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 not sound doctrine that comes in. And, and you need to be careful. When that happens, you, know, you need to withdraw yourself from somebody that's going to teach you something other than the Word of God. I want you to turn with me to Titus. Just keep going toward the back of your Bible. Titus, chapter number 1, verse number 14. He says, not giving heed to uh, Jewish fables and commandments of men that you turn from the truth. Don't don't give heed to Jewish fables and man-made commandments. Because if you do, what you're going to do is turn from the truth. So he's challenging us here in these verses that our friendships should reflect our testimony of Christ. And then lastly, I want you to see this in verse number six. He says this, but godliness with contentment 
is great gain. Would you say that with me, please? But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's say it one more time. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to write this down and we'll be done. Number one, our heart, our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ. Number two, our friendships should reflect our testimony of Christ. And number three, our heart should reflect our contentment in Christ. Our work should reflect our faithfulness to Christ. Our friendship should reflect our testimony of Christ. And our heart should reflect our contentment in Christ. You know what each and every one of us as believers need to do? We just need to be content in Christ. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The best thing a Christian can do is draw closer to the Lord. And the closer someone draws to the Lord, the more content they're going to be in their life. Here we find Paul challenging our heart. Look with me in Matthew chapter. Let me just quote this. Everyone, I'm sure, would know this verse. Matthew 6, 33 says this, Seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Our desire ought to be, our heart's desire ought to be this, God's kingdom is first in everything I do. You see, I can struggle with my boss and not lose my testimony if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. Because I realize this, my responsibility there is to show Christ to someone that's lost. Could you imagine being at a place in behaving in such a ridiculous way where you lose the opportunity to share Christ. I told our Wednesday night crowd this, and I'll use this example and I'll be done. Last week, I, right down the street from our house, they just opened up a new restaurant at the golf course there, and it's open to the public. And uh, I said, let's go in there. And took my wife to lunch. She's got me on this diet and I figured there's got to be a place in mommy somewhere I can eat, so we'll try this place. And so we'll go into this place, and the lady, the lady, the hostess there said, you could sit wherever you want to sit. And right there at this beautiful window that overlooked the golf course was a table. And I saw my wife. She eyed that thing up, and she said, that is where I want to sit. And matter of fact, she did this. That is where I want to sit. And as she did that, just her beauty... I said, and you are the one I want to sit with. And we started making our way over with the hostess to that table. We went to sit down, and the waitress came over and said, uh, 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 you're not sitting here. And I said, excuse me? She said, I'm too busy. I have too many tables. You can't sit here. And I said, that's the table my wife wants to sit at. And she said, I have too many, ta I have too many tables. I'm by myself in this room. You can't sit here. It started in my feet and began to come up to my knees. It got up to my waist, and it came right here. And I didn't know what to do. So that little 
hostess, she was embarrassed. And so I just told her what I thought about the place and about that waitress the entire time as we were picking another table off in the corner where there was no table against the wall, a two-seater where there wasn't enough room. And I just, I mean, you, you would have been so proud of how of a, much of a fool I made of myself over a table. Over a table that didn't have a view. That I'm going to get ready to eat more than most people in this world had all day. I'm going to have it lunch. On a diet. And I sat down. You know what? It was the manly thing to do. My wife wanted to sit there. And I sat down with my wife, and I expect her to say, you are my knight in shining armor. You're always there for me. We sat down. She looked at me, and she said, that was so Christ-like, wasn't it? <laughs> oh. I said, you can buy your own lunch, woman. <laughs> oh. Right in the heart. I said, I didn't impress you at all, did I? And she said, you didn't impress anybody. You definitely didn't impress Christ. Oh, man. So what do you want me to do? She said, you know what you got to do. All right. I'll do it after we eat. And I had to apologize to that, that waitress or the hostess. I said, ma'am, that wasn't the way I'm supposed to talk. And God put me in this world not to behave like the world, but to be a salt and light. And I behaved, I behaved like a, a foolish person. And she looked at me and she said, don't worry, people do it all the time. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I'm not supposed to do that. And then I'm thinking to myself, how are we going to, what are we going to do now? How can I bless this waitress that offended me over something so silly. And here was my wife. Give her a tip. I said, but I already gave the guy a tip. Yeah, but give her the tip too. That's, that's two tips? Yeah. Oh. All right, lady. But seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. Ma'am, I was foolish. I said that window was dirty. I didn't want to sit next to it anyways. No, I didn't say that. I said, ma'am, I am, I am so sorry. I shouldn't behave that way. It'd be very difficult for, you, for me to tell you that I'm a Christian <laughs> when I just behave that way. But would you just accept this as my apology. Christians shouldn't behave that way. And I promise you this, I won't behave that way again. She was happy. She just made a few bucks. You see, I'm supposed to seek ye first, the kingdom of God. I'm not supposed to walk around this world thinking that this world is about me. When I go to the workplace, I am supposed to show the faithfulness to Christ to others. My friendship should reflect our testimony of Christ. 
in my heart. My heart should reflect my contentment in Christ. If I'm always walking around because everything offends me, I'm not content in Christ. You know, we get a little bit offended and it knocks us off course. You know why I believe that Paul wrote that in here? Because there's a certain way that we as Christians should behave. And it's so easy for us not to behave that way and justify it in our own minds. Paul said, these things teach and exhort. Because the Christian is supposed to have a different life than the lost world. It's easy to be a Christian here. Paul says, be a Christian out there so that others see Christ.